There's Matt Prater's Southern Outdoors kicking this episode of Campfire Conversations off for us. Uh, number 41, a little bonus content for you this week as Ducks approaches. What is Ducks? Well, that's Ducks Unlimited's expo that is taking place at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend, May 5th through the 7th. And we've got Ducks Unlimited's David Schusler, uh, the National Director of Event fundraising over at du but the jack of all trades and well versed in uh, all things waterfowl related so we're going to talk ducks and uh the much maligned northern pintail uh it was actually on the cover of the uh latest du magazine uh, unfortunately that was the march april issue and uh special report right there on the cover pintails on the brink and this is a species, historically, I think I've been duck hunting about two decades, uh, but it's one that we monitor every year, and some years we're like, well, are we even going to have a season, or is it going to go from two birds to one bird, or a shortened season? Um, this duck continues to struggle while other species seem to thrive. Why is that? Uh, David will give us a couple schools of thought on the pintail, and, uh, and we might talk some blue-winged teal as well. You might see them choosing to uh, take up residence on your local golf course this spring and summer instead of migrating farther north. Uh, so a funny little bird, the first ones to fly south and the one most likely to stay south if conditions are right. Uh, but all that and much more to get into with David. So without further ado, let's rock and roll. Uh, David, thanks for being here, man. Great to be back. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get to see each other in person next week. I know. I'm excited to get back to Texas. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm going to knock on wood here. I know it's, I know the weather's been rough, but looking at the forecast, I, uh, I think, I think things are a little brighter on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've, uh, we've had some rain. So to summarize, if people aren't aware of what we're talking about, uh, ducks, which is the big event coming to North Texas uh, at Texas Motor Speedway next weekend. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe. Um, this is the third. This is the third one that we were having at TMS. The yeah, first year was brutal because it of COVID. It was supposed to be in the spring, and then we had to change it to like it was like late June or July. It was so hot. It was. Oh, yeah, year so so year one was the the junior late yeah June. oh gosh yeah we hit that if, if people remember back to 2021 there was like a three-week period where covid went away yeah <laughs> and then came back with a vengeance and uh it was hot but man it was great to be around people that first year that's what everybody kept saying it's yeah. hot but it sure is good to be face to face well, then, I mean, next last year was better for, I mean, I like enjoyed it so much more, uh, because I, I, and I think, I think that foot traffic was, uh, exponentially better maybe for, maybe for some of those reasons, like just weren't fighting the heat and, uh, you know, I think it was, that in a second year event, I mean, yeah. you know, anytime you and summer vacation summer hadn't picked up large, yet. Yeah. It takes a while. Yeah. Say that again. 
and and also we weren't battling summer vacation you know june a lot of people are traveling so uh overall like i I love the spring date i'm super pumped um i think what is it it's the fifth through seventh to have those dates right for next weekend yeah uh may five six and seven cinco de mayo Oh yeah, that's right. And they will have margaritas on the infield because uh, what is it? Is it Torchies? I think it's Torchies that has a taco shop right there in the in the infield of Texas Motor Speedway. It is. I told Torchies to order extra tequila. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but hey, if you're gonna go to the shooting village and shoot, you need to do that before you start uh, sucking back the margaritas. Absolutely. And if you go to the shooting village on Friday. This year is free shoot Friday. Nice. So normally, uh, well, on other days, normally we have to charge a small fee to cover the cost of the the rounds and the clays, but not this Friday. That's awesome. Uh, this year, yeah. It's I mean, who gives away ammunition Friday. in this day and time? Yeah, exactly. So it's like as many it's times as gold. somebody wants to, to squeeze a trigger, <laughs> they can go and do it. Yeah. And uh, so we're we're excited about that. We've heard a lot of excitement inside of the industry about giving people the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking for big crowds on Friday afternoon. But if you're going to the shooting village, like you said, you need to do that before you go to Torchies and get you a margarita. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the shooting village is one of the highlights. Um, there is going to be a lot. And I know we had quite a, you know, we had some, some excellent retriever work last year, but I think that's more of a focus this year. Uh, what is, what are the highlights associated with man's best friend? And I know we're going to have some great bloodlines. Yeah. Well, we're thrilled that Purina pro plan, who was the presenting sponsor of BUX, they've been so excited being in Fort Worth the past couple of years that they are bringing their Eastern regional of their incredible dog challenge to DUX. So on the first turn, we are going to have a mini stadium set up in NBC Sports. We'll be there recording uh, for the qualifier for their national championship. And and these are canine athletes that have already qualified for this. This isn't, you know, folks bringing their family pet or their hunting dog in to see Sorry. how they would Yeah, they JoJo's. Would yeah, my, the, little, these, my little lab behind us is asleep right here. And uh, sorry, Joe, you're not, you can't, you, you're not coming. You didn't make the cut. Yeah. So it, it's, people are going to be able to watch some of the best canine athletes in our country compete. And this is, and some people might've seen this before um, on Saturday mornings when, when they televise these, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, how far can you throw a Frisbee and how much can they jump? How quick did the Jack Russell Terriers go through the uh, the obstacle course and then hit the door? And and how far can dogs jump inside of a tank? But these are these are oh, ones yeah. that do it week in and week out. So we are thrilled that Purina Pro Plan uh, has brought one of their Keystone events to one of our Keystone events. And there is no extra admission to get in to see that once you're in DUX. Um, there, you can go over there to the dog village, which again, is, will be on the first turn in a Texas motor speedway perspective and, and watch these animals perform. So we're really excited. Now, Sunday, Purina pro plan goes back to their traditional footprint of some of the finest retrievers and herding dogs, uh, some of the best trainers out there, 
um, who are going to be bringing those dogs in for demonstrations. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about the, taking the kids one day. What kid doesn't want to watch dogs like jump 30 feet into the water? I want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. But I, I think that's going to be like, my kids will be like, yeah, I want to go that day, dad. That'll be, they'll be psyched about that. Um, and then of course we'll have all kinds of vendors and uh, exhibitors. Um, a lot of the brands that you're familiar with from the waterfowling community, a lot of brands that are new brands. And that's always exciting too, because you, you get to see the latest technology. Here's a new product that maybe you haven't been in, introduced to before. Uh, like I saw last year, a pair of waders that uh, were just completely zip up waders, which I had never yeah, seen. Yeah, shin, shin gear from, yeah. uh, from right out of Memphis. And mm -hmm. Shin's a, a new waiter company that, that really has perfected that zip up. Uh, I, I own a pair and I have tried them. Um, I've, I've tried, I've tried that accoutrement on them and it works great. Uh, so it, it's folks like that. It's, it's those traditional, uh, endemic companies that we work with, but it's also some of these companies that nobody's ever heard of before. And, and we are sold out in our exhibitor space. So that's a, that's a first for us, uh, here at, Texas Motor Speedway. Oh, nice. uh, so a lot of things to see, a lot of things to do. Um, one of the new programs that we're bringing this year, we've always held our regional DU calling championship, which is a qualifier for the worlds in Stuttgart around Thanksgiving every year. Uh, but this year we are also hosting the Texas championship. So we have two different calling championships uh, with, with both of them sending somebody to the worlds later on this year. So an expansion of, of the competition there. And we are the highest payout uh, for both a regional and a state. So I've been told. So we expect that some of the, the best callers from around the country for the regional and then in Texas for the take, Texas state championship will be there. So another addition. Yeah. So if you guys want to see me on stage duck calling, you know, this is your, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so another great highlight, uh, something that we've added there, the Texas state and the regional calling championship and people get paid to do that. That's pretty sweet. If you're, uh, if you fancy yourself a good duck caller, do you, how do you go about signing up for that? Uh, you can uh, sign up online right now by going to uh, ducksexpo.com, or you can just sign up when you get there. And uh, we've noticed it's interesting. A, a lot of those in the calling world, um, they they do decide to sign up when they get there, mm -hmm. uh, when they arrive to make sure that they're going to be able to get there. So um, we're expecting a large turnout of callers. And I always like to go and, take in part of that just to, to, to remind me of how bad I am at duck call. <laughs> I yeah, think I'm good. You won't, until you I won't hear catch me guys. dead up there. No, no way. I'll make a fool of myself. Um, I mean, I can call a duck in, right. But when you compare that to, I'll put it like this, I can call an elk in too. Uh, but I've, I've been to an elk calling championship and like, it took like three guys and I was like, Nope, I'm not going up there. No way. <laughs> it's night and day. I, to me, it's uh, it's it's the difference in being able to play a guitar around a campfire and everybody sing all my rowdy friends with you, uh -huh. and then going and watching somebody in front of fifty thousand people play yeah. a guitar for a living. I mean, it's they really are musical instruments, and 
And uh, these people that come and, and do this are just, it's phenomenal. It's a God-given talent, what they mm-hmm. do. No doubt. No doubt. Well, so uh, like we said, next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Texas Motor Speedway, uh, something for everybody. Bring the kids, and uh, they're going to have a, a hell of a time as well. Um, switching gears, let's talk a little waterfowl uh, because, you know, I'm holding right here the March-April edition of DU's magazine, and uh, there's something concerning, and, and you and I have probably talked about pintails in the past, but this, um, the DU special report is pintails on the brink. And this is a duck that's uh, much maligned species. You know, we, we always are talking about, well, is the pintail limit going to go up? Or is it going to go down? Are we going to have a pintail season this fall? Uh, sometimes in, in my flyway, in the central flyway, it fluctuates. Sometimes it's two birds. Sometimes it's one bird. I have not been around since, and I don't, I don't think we've had a closed season. Uh, but the, we've definitely gone from two birds to one bird some year, some years. Yeah, and, it, what, and what you have had is a partial season, and I know that from my time living in Texas when mm-hmm. I think we only got 45 days to hunt them one year, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so I'm looking at this, and it's not all fear-mongering. And people are like, oh, you know, no, it's based off of stats. Like, well, what is the what is the – the waterfowl survey say how many pintails do we have and i don't know what what last year's survey actually said uh but talk i'm sure you could explain expand a little bit on why this article is right here on the front page of the latest uh, magazine yeah so pintails are a classic prairie nester uh so in in so much of texas gets their birds out of the prairie pothole region mm-hmm. south dakota north dakota uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Alberta, but pintails, so many of the pintails that, that make their way to Texas breed in the, the short grass prairies of Alberta. And unfortunately, that's where this recent drought that we're coming out of up there, um, unfortunately, Alberta hasn't received quite the precipitation this past winter and already this spring. It's, it's received some. We, we need more there. Uh, but the drought was so bad in that part of the world, it really hit pintails very hard. And uh, there's so many studies that go around the difference from species to species. You know, a mallard is a very, very hardy species of duck, um, very opportunistic uh, if, if things don't work out in the prairies, if it's dry, some mallards will continue to fly north into, into the boreal forest, make their home there for, uh, for the summer, maybe make some babies to come south. Those pintails like Alberta. And when in Alberta, uh, it really has a, it takes a hard, hard toll on pintails up there. So uh, the, the drought in in addition to continual agricultural changes there um just seem we, we haven't seen pintails rebound the way that we have seen some other ducks like gadwall and shovelers mm-hmm. and mallards um and they all fluctuate all all duck species fluctuate um across uh, all different flyways but the pintails sure. are ones that we're really trying to keep an eye on uh, to make sure that that population doesn't get to a point to where we can't have a hunting season because nobody wants that. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess I'm 41. I think I've been duck hunting a 
God, I've been duck hunting for 20 years now. And the pintail is the one that's always been like of top concern. Uh, some of the other species, yeah, okay. Uh, redheads were down this year, but they'll bounce back next year. And they do. And, you know, and then we've seen the gadwall. My gosh, the gadwall's numbers, I mean, they've just kept going up and up and up, which has saved a lot of our, our seasons down here in the southern central flyway. Absolutely. Um, but this duck specifically, it seems like it's always, it is almost always doom and gloom. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and you mentioned the agricultural practices. Well, expand on that because it, it seems to me like they're just losing habitat because we're making more, we need more corn and ethanol. And so, you know, uh, well, here's a solution. Bye-bye nesting habitat. Yeah, um, it, it's nothing is as nothing is as good as pure native prairie up mm -hmm. there and understanding that the the prairie pothole region is about the size of texas and oklahoma so we're we're talking about a big area up there yeah. but again these birds and and not all of them but the majority of them seem to go to that short grass prairie that that makes up alberta uh and as we do change because the world needs food um, and, and Ducks Unlimited certainly knows that. Um, as that native prairie goes away, um, it's just fewer and fewer opportunities for pintails or any other waterfowl species that nest in that area to make a home. Now, one of the things that Ducks Unlimited and others determined years ago is that winter wheat um, is real good for pintails. And, and so here's a crossover of agriculture where we know we need to be growing food and we have a, a, a specific species um, that loves this part of the world. Well, when a farmer plants winter wheat, as that wheat comes up quicker than summer wheat, um, we know that, that pintails are apt to make a nest and then get that brood off of the nest in an agricultural area and other ducks do it as well but pintails really do it so that's an example of how du and our partners um, have come up with a solution of where we can overlay agriculture and the needs uh, of this this species and those of us that love this species so much i um, mean keeping that population at a level where we can uh, we can still hunt them hmm. Well, pintails don't nest in Texas, but if they tried to nest in our winter wheat fields, I would think that hogs would destroy every nest. Like I would think so. You know, we, it's interesting though. Um, some we, I would venture to say there might be a few pintails that do that will nest out in West Texas. Huh. Uh, there, there's a surprising number, and we're not talking about massive numbers but right. there are birds that if they get to west texas and it's you know and and i'm, I'm talking way out there right yeah. way out there but if they get there and it's wet conditions they will go ahead and and make a summer home there huh. uh it doesn't it doesn't happen all the time um i doubt it's happening right now uh but but when i when when I worked in Texas and my and, and needed to learn everything that I possibly could about waterfowl in Texas, that is one of the really neat facts that I I came to learn. And obviously, these are the birds that go way way down south into Mexico and Nicaragua and Central America. And if they once they they come up out of Central America, if they find a wet West Texas. We'll have birds that that'll that'll breed there. Mm. 
Well, I and I always knew that blue wing teal would do that. I didn't realize that pintails would because I don't play a lot of golf. Like, don't ask me. Once September gets here and dove and elk season start, early teal, forget it. I'm not playing any golf. And that generally is the rule through Jan- the end of January. And then maybe if it's nice enough, I'll play with you until turkey season starts. And then I'm done again. And then, uh, you know, late, late spring, early summer, I'll, I might play a round of golf with you. Uh, and I always see blue wing teal on those golf course ponds. Or you could go, hell, you could go to Lake Louisville or Lake Ray Roberts, and you'll see some if you're out crappie fishing or whatever. Um, but I did not know that pintails would, would stop. Yeah, there's probably a handful of them. Uh, mm. But but you've hit on it. The blue wing teal are, are the one that will definitely stop. And, and I remember when I was leasing property down on the coastal plain in Texas, uh, we'd even have blue wing teal that far south that mm. would do it. And in a wet year, they said, this is, this is good enough for us. Yeah, We're going to go ahead yeah. and give it a try. How, how far do those things go all the way to South America or do they, they do. stop in? They do. Okay. Yeah. 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 They do. The blue wing teal go a long, long way. Yeah. Fascinating little birds. And they're not, aren't they more closely related to a, to a spoonie than they are green wing teal? They are close first cousins. Huh. I mean, if you, if you take, you they don't get all the, the hate though. I don't hear people being like, "Oh, I don't want to eat a blue wing teal," but they damn sure are like, "I'm not eating a spoon." That's dog treats, you know. Like I'm like, eh, well, that bad. Well, they feed different though. I mean, you, you just look at that bill of a spoon bill, and you can tell uh-huh. that it's it's made to feed on something other than what blue wing teal. However, um, all ducks are what they eat, and you know, I've shot some gadwall up in Canada uh, that were feeding obviously on a lot of maybe freshwater shrimp and crustaceans or whatever that, I mean, it, it, it was, it was hard to get them down <laughs> where I hunt in, uh, in Arkansas when they get on those rice fields and get in the flooded timber and they're eating rice and acorns, you know, they taste great. So yeah. I, I, I bet you with the exception of maybe canvas backs, just because their diet is so refined, I imagine that there's parts of this country that you could find any species of ducks that isn't great table fare based on what their local uh, diet is. Huh. Uh, and and I think spoonies up north are, are pretty rough just based on what they're feeding on. But really, when they when they get to the south, they start eating what other puddle ducks eat. And I have eaten a lot of spoonbills mm-hmm. from Texas that tasted just fine. I also think the Spoonie is an underrated duck for the wall. Like a fully plumed out Hollywood Drake is, oh, it's a magnificent looking duck. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I have uh, I have one on the wall. I, last weekend of the season, my buddy was like, I've got this. It, it was like a water treatment plant like type. So like eating, not going to be that great. But uh, he was like, it's loaded up with Spoonies. And so I was like, cool, I want to get one for the taxidermist, you know, for my collection. And uh, so I shot three just beautiful uh, plumed out ones and took them all, all three of them to the taxidermist and said, here, pick the best one. And uh, it's a just absolutely gorgeous bird. I bet you that if, if, if you take all the people that I have taken hun- hunting in Texas and Arkansas living in those two parts of the world, and when they shoot birds that 
they're going to have mounted. I bet 60% of them are fully gloomed spoonbills late in the year. Yeah. Just because they don't, so many people don't see those birds in other parts of the country. And it's, it's a bucket list. We're, we're spoiled here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bucket list mount for them. That, and of course, if anybody shoots a cinnamon teal in Texas, that who isn't from Texas, they're mm-hmm. going to, they're going to take that home and put it on the wall. I I have told this story on the air before, but I've only ever seen one cinnamon teal in Texas, and it was during spring turkey season. And really? I looked, and I was like, oh, yeah, it was fully plumed out. And I th- I was like, what is it? Is that a ruddy duck? I'm looking at it from a long way away. Then I get my binos on it, and I'm like, oh, my God, a cinnamon teal. And I just sat there and watched it. And it was There was a pair of them, and I just watched them for, you know, 10 minutes or so. And, and then went about my – went back to turkey hunting, but it was super cool to see one. Yeah, they're neat birds. Uh, my first one I shot in Texas, I was with Chester Moore um, out of Orange, Texas, and it yeah, was during teal, teal season, and I sh- I didn't even know what I shot. It was an immature uh, cinnamon teal, and Chester immediately saw it in the eyes because their eyes are a different color than a uh-huh. – um, and he said, uh, have you ever shot a cinnamon teal? and I looked at it and I said, well, I don't think this one's going on the wall because it, 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 look, it looks like a green wing to me, a hen green wing to me. But yeah. uh, but I ended up shooting a couple of other ones um, down on the coast. So that nice. was cool to bring. Yeah, I, I think if you really want to get into them, you need to go to the Pacific Flyway. Uh, I have some buddies that have made trips just for Cinnamon Teal. Just, they, they went to New Mexico and ended up getting some. Yeah, really New Mexico West. Um, I've toured some DU projects out in California. Big, big um, federal and state hunting areas. I don't want. I don't want one that bad. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, just, you, you glass across it. And it's just all that red. And um, I tell you, there's a lot of duck hunters in California. A whole lot more than I think people. Those of us that live in the central part of the country are on the east coast realized and, and there's some really good duck hunting out there when they have water mm-hmm. and uh as everybody knows they got a big reprieve over uh late winter when all that snow that that pattern just kept dumping snow and rain and snow and rain so mm-hmm. that's good yeah. for the duck hunters out there absolutely uh you mentioned the canvas back and uh we we get a fair amount of those here in in texas all over texas uh, but as far as table fare goes, it's one that historically, like you, you can go back and you, if people want to see this, you can just Google it. Like, uh, Aldo, what is it? The Aldo Historia, Historia, uh, in new, in Manhattan, uh, famous, uh, Oh yes. Yeah. The, yeah. The Waldorf, 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 yeah, yeah. Historia. uh, and you can look at a menu from like the 19 teens and canvas back duck is more expensive than filet mignon beef. Absolutely. And, no, and, and so no wonder they almost punt gunned them into extinction. <laughs> yeah, they and you know most most of those birds would have been killed on the Chesapeake Bay. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure that there were some on Long Island Sound, but but just most of them came out of the Chesapeake and uh, they put them in barrels, put them on the train, send them into New York City, into Pittsburgh, into Baltimore, and because of their wild celery diet uh, back in those days, they were just the, the, nothing compared. I mean, I, it was basically marinated um, mm. when it fell at the end of your gun. And that one was really, really uh, prized fair. 
Uh, and, and it's funny to look down, they, you know, you could get all the way down to a ruddy duck in those restaurants and they would list them out. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've seen some old menus where, well, I can't afford canvas back tonight. I'm going to eat ruddy duck. Tonight. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but you, uh, do you had a, a cookbook they put out, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. I think it's called the hunter's table. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, but I have, I have that cookbook and. I haven't shot a canvas back, I don't think, in a couple of years. But the last one I shot, there was this uh, candied yam canvas back recipe in there. Oh, my gosh. I made that thing so good. Uh, one of the best waterfowl meals I've ever had. Uh, yeah, so it, I, I, I think to do anything other than, like, if you ever take a canvas back and just breast it and wrap it in bacon, that, to me, that's a sin. Mm -hmm. Like, it needs to be cooked in a recipe like that. Uh, because that's, you know, those are the type of dishes that they would use to serve them in those cities back in the, in the teens, I guess the 19s, I guess can't say teens anymore, right. <laughs> but the, right. the, the 19 teens, uh, say that, and it needs to be slow cooked and eaten that way. Uh huh. So that would have been weird as a restaurant owner because you're making a killing off of this, this market hunting of these, of waterfowl, selling it for more than the prime cuts of beef at the time. And then you have, uh, the, uh, was it the migratory migratory, uh, treaty act that, that ended market hunting for waterfowl and a bunch of other species. And so then all of a sudden it just turned the faucet off on you. And I guess now you're like, well, uh, I guess we'll get some farm raised ducks or something. <laughs> Yeah, or I think that's, you know, really when beef, I bet if you tracked it back, that's when there was probably a, a big growth in cattle ranches mm. through the central part of the, the country. I, I know it was down in Florida where I'm originally from is, is the, the, uh, the zeal for red beef just, just kind of exploded because you weren't allowed to cook venison that was taken wild and ducks that were taken wild and, th and thank goodness they did that right because uh, right. there, there certainly wouldn't be any left right now but it was i think it was called the migratory bird treaty act uh if i remember correctly i don't remember what year that was it was uh, around the time that uh, the first duck stamp came out which was around 1935 okay. and only a couple of years later uh ducks unlimited was formed so you had you had all these conservation efforts um going on at the same time and you and then know pitman uh, robertson came around like right after that I yep, think, thir pitman 37 came around yep and and started taking you know and that, and that was sportsman both with pitman robertson and the duck stamp that was sportsman saying charge us more mm -hmm. like like this is really important to us you need to you need to be taxing us to make sure that we're taking care of these things and for me Personally, and I'm 53, uh, I came up through, I, I remember the point system when I was young, and then we went into three and 30 days for a long time, for mo most of my childhood, uh, until probably about the time I got out of school. But to think that we have more liberal seasons, more ducks in the, uh, in the migration now than we did 30 years ago. That's a real success story. Uh, and, and it's not just ducks. If you look what happened with the Eastern Turkey, 
what we've been able to do with white-tailed deer, which were virtually extinct in some parts mm. of this country, uh, going back into the 1940s and 50s. What sportsmen and groups like DU uh, have done is, is a huge success story and kept us from becoming what you see over in Europe where, you know, now hunting is just for the uber elite yeah, it's just that clubs. have the land to house their own, their own game on. So yeah. um, kudos to all of those pioneers that, that said, we need to do something about this. So, you know, why it's are- amazing to me is because there's 330 million people in this country now, and we have more wildlife than we did when we had half that many people, yep. you know, it's uh, so that, that is a testament to, sound management and dedication to the restoration of X species, you know, absolutely. Uh, and, and fish too. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you look at the redfish and where it was heading because of Paul Prudhomme and his black and red fish recipe from, a re- I, I believe that's who it was in new Orleans. And, you know, and, and, and it's tough and, and, and ducks unlimited. We don't make any, rules or laws and we're in the habitat business we're in the conservation business but oftentimes it's very difficult um, for our elected leaders uh, or those who that they put on committees to say we've got to do something about this uh, but thank goodness that they do uh, so now my kids can go out and actually have a better chance to shoot a duck than I did when I was their age and just to think about that really blows my mind Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt. No doubt. Uh, we've gotten in Texas, we have the longest season possible based off of the federal federal uh, framework, which is, you know, the feds are the ones that outline say this is how long your season can be. And so we, we have the most liberal season that we possibly can have, which is yep, pretty cool. 74 days in the central yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Y'all get right two on. more weeks than we do over here. And I'm jealous. Good, good, good. You should be. You should be. Um, well, I certainly appreciate the time, David. I look forward to seeing you uh, this coming week out at Texas Motor Speedway Ducks 2023, May 5th through the 7th. Um, it's going to be a heck of a good time. Yep. Looking forward to seeing you too, Cable. All right, my friend. We'll take it easy. All right. You too. So there he goes. Ducks Unlimited's David Schusler. If you see David or uh, if you see me out at Ducks, please do say hi. Uh, I will be there for the duration on Saturday for sure. Probably bring Henry as well. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be an awesome event. We'll see you there. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. And if you wonder where my heart is When I'm out on the road Lord, it's right at home I left it, honey, just for you and if you wonder how I'm doing, know that I am doing fine. But I wish I was in Virginia on the Russell County line.